Well, that inspiring music has brought us into episode 18, a special episode of Tell Me Where to Turn. Special for a couple reasons. One is we're joined by the uh, recently out of jail Point Break Dave. I am back once again. That is Active on Twitter as always. Yes, that is Point Break underscore Dave. If you want to uh, see me troll state senators about the legality of daily fantasy sports, that's where you go. And I do enjoy that. And I am Tommy Lynch, Tommy2 underscore zero. And last but certainly not least, we are joined by the great 311 Glenn. Well, if you'll remember, it's uh, now it's Glenn3 underscore 11 on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I remember now. That's right. Your confusing Twitter handle suddenly got less confusing by like 5%. Yeah, and then ironically confused you. So the other development between this week and next week is I think I'm going to get winner takes it all, loser takes the fall, tattooed across my back in gothic letters. I feel like there's a whole nother episode where we could just spend like two hours doing a deep dive analysis of those lyrics. I'd be more than happy to do that. We could go through the whole soundtrack of this movie, like outside of that one song, which is gold. There's a lot of other pretty, uh, pretty memorable moments. So I guess we might as well set up what we're doing here, since if the uh, if the song didn't give it away, we are going to spend the next hour talking about a uh, 1987 classic, Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top, the movie that combines the uh, heart-wrenching battle of uh, fighting terminal disease, a uh, custody battle over the backdrop of a arm wrestling tournament. What could be a more natural combination than those three? Yeah, how did it take to 1987 to make this movie? I mean, that that's such a logical step. Yeah. I mean, this is just normal life in Highland Park, I would think. It's just timeless. I mean, it's a timeless classic yeah. tale. But what I thought we'd do uh, before we jump in, and I'm going to put you guys in the spot, but I, I believe we all have probably watched this movie dozens of times growing up. But but within the last week, we all watched it again to get prepped for this show. Yeah, I watched it. So was there one, was there one thing that stood out to you this time or this viewing that more than any others? And I'll, I'll tell you what mine was, was um, that the kid is a dick. <laughs> hey, we'll... I did not remember him being such a dick. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that and can spend plenty of time on, on that topic. <laughs> But was there one big theme? <laughs> but my, yeah. Mine was a little more uh, subtle, and we, we'll get to this in detail at this part. We get to this part of the movie, but in the, uh, the, the world arm wrestling competition at the end, I <clears throat> tallied the number of times that the MC explained to the audience, both in the building and the viewers watching the movie, that this was a double elimination tournament <laughs> and also defined... Yeah. <laughs> defined explicitly what double elimination meant at least two or three times and we're we're going to actually have a uh, since i did some i did some troubleshooting uh i've actually figured out how to bring in some sound clips from the movie and i actually have already marked one of those okay so when we get to that point of the discussion we'll we'll have some audio audio proof of how many times they went to that well excellent what about you dave anything anything big that stands out for you 
Well, I, I will say I we hadn't talked about this before the show, but I also was tallying that same thing, which I don't remember at all from watching it, you know, years ago, that that was over-explained about 80 times. <laughs> um, the one, I guess, if we do a norm, things you may have missed in the movie, mine would be, how small was that kid he arm-wrestled at the arcade? I believe the line from the movie was he was f- at least five foot six. <laughs> no, he was bigger. Five nine. He was a, was a giant. <laughs> he was a giant. He was supposed to be like, you know, this big, uh, you know, kind of surly looking kid with the sleeveless shirt and the gloves. But he was like, if you look at his arms, he was like the tiniest kid in the world. Just had some pipe cleaners going there? Yeah. I like. I remember watching it in my younger years thinking when he beat that kid that was really something and now i watched it this time i was like man that that's like that kid's almost as small as he is like that's not some big accomplishment <laughs> so oh, so this came out funny. in uh in 87 you guys are a little younger than i am so i saw this at the movie theater i was fortunate wow. to uh have that experience at the age of i was either 9 or 10 when this came out so i got to see it on the big screen yeah, this was a uh, VHS tape recorded off the TV, and uh, that wore, wore out, wore it out. Now, Glenn, let me ask you this, because um, I was probably about that same age, and I watched it at um, my cousin's house, and I don't even think the movie was over before we were arm wrestling each other. Did you go straight home from the theater with your buddy and try to start arm wrestling? Um. Yeah, and trying to perfect the over-the-top technique, which of course, uh, un, which surprisingly is utilized in this movie several times to defeat opponents of all sizes. But the science—I will say—it actually kind of works. I was gonna say the science behind it was never fully explained, and I would have liked to have maybe seen some kind of flashback to where our main character, Lincoln Hawk was taught this by some arm wrestling sensei or he invented it or explaining it to his son why it works because you say it works but I'm just thinking if you're arm wrestling somebody and you open your hand up that seems like you're losing about 60% of your strength and momentum at that point with your hand not closed as close to a fist as possible That's before you get it fully locked in Glenn once it's locked in your wrist is cocked over and there's no way mm. that you can be overcome at that point mm. so you guys want some uh some some real-time stats about this movie i would love a real-time stat so i did some very brief uh research online um movie debuted in 1987 it debuted at fourth on its opening weekend oh no uh behind the likes of Platoon, which is okay. I mean, that's Oscar-winning. Yeah. It's best Academy picture. Academy Award-winning film. <clears throat> sure. Um, Outrageous Fortune, which I believe is a never, Bette Midler, Danny DeVito vehicle. Sounds and terrible. The other movie that beat it that was that was its opening weekend as well was Mannequin. Oh my gosh! Over the top, came in fourth and made roughly four million dollars its opening weekend. The movie production company, whatever, 
uh, paid Sylvester Stallone twelve million dollars in nineteen eighty seven oh to be in this movie. Oh my gosh! And he was interviewed years after making it, and basically said that he read the he ended up co-writing the screenplay. So, but I guess the general story he didn't like it. He didn't think it would be good. But they, the director wanted him because I think the director thought if I don't get Stallone, nobody will come to see this. We need him to sell it. So. Uh, apparently Stallone finally just said, they're paying me so much money. Nobody's going to see this movie anyway. So what have I got to lose? I mean, $12 million 30, 30 years ago. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that's this, probably what 30 or 40 million today. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It, somebody needs to follow the money to figure that out. But I mean, <laughs> I 30 million, that sounds pretty reasonable. I mean, I'm seeing here that the whole movie did a total box office of 16 million. Oh my! And he made 12 million. It says the total movie budget was 25 million. So this movie didn't even make money. Wow! But it may not have made money, but it went on to win how many Oscars? Do you have the stats in front of you? I do have one stat: is that uh, actor David Mendenhall, who played Michael, the little prick kid, he won. <laughs> For worst supporting actor, <laughs> he won a, a Razzie Award in uh, 1987. Wow. <laughs> I was going to get into that later, but I, I've, he w- could be one of the worst actors I've ever seen in anything. He was... and, and He I smiles up, through half his lines. Like, he can't yeah. even keep a straight face. He, uh, I looked up his IMDb page, and he was he's not been in very many things. He was in a handful of things as a kid. He voiced... Uh, a character of a child, I think, in the Transformer cartoons in the mid '80s, late '80s, but uh, not he's much. Gotta be, acting. He's got to be dead now, right? I think he's still alive. He's like in his mid forties. It's probably only a matter of time. He's probably going to run across a freeway to do it <laughs> when he when he when he goes back home and realizes that that somebody paid Sylvester Stallone twelve million dollars to be in this movie. <laughs> And he got about twelve hundred. <laughs> so, so I just I have uh, I think we all have notes for this movie, but it's just funny yeah. that uh, Dave mentioned the the soundtrack to start off with, and I just, it's basically just stream of consciousness consciousness type notes, and uh, like the first thing other than the title of the movie that I wrote on the paper was that the soundtrack equals awesome, <laughs> just from the the opening song and the opening moments of seeing Lincoln Hawk driving his truck down the down the highway yeah and so well let's start there so he hasn't seen his son in 10 years i think that was basically the rough time frame i think i think the little uh rick with a p later said something about you're trying to make up 10 years of my life in one day or whatever but yeah well the kid didn't recognize him so right he obviously left before the kid was two or whatever but but this is a big event for the kid. He's graduating from some type of odd military academy at the you know age of ten, mm-hmm. and Lincoln's going there to you know meet him and take him on this wonderful trip. But Lincoln has no sense of urgency <laughs> for getting no, there. No, not all. at all. He <laughs> is not in a hurry. And this is, uh, and then there's another instance of this a little later on. But okay, so. I think Michael is like 12 or 13. I think it's been okay. 10 years, but I mean, he was a you know infant toddler or whatever when uh, Lincoln left the house. Um, 
he's apparently written him letters, hundreds of letters through the years. I guess he could never pick up a phone and just call and talk to him. <laughs> yeah, apparently the phone in the truck's not working so well. And and also never either sent a picture, neither did his mom ever show Michael a picture of his own father through his entire life, apparently. But yeah, this is like a major event in this kid's life. You know, right. a graduation from any level of school, and he hasn't seen him in 10 years. But old Lincoln, he's going to go ahead and stop. Let's go ahead and wash this truck. He's taking some kind of a some kind of an outdoor bath maybe in this bucket of water and brushing his teeth emphatic emphatically. So he's going to roll up to this high toned, you know, country club like setting. He's driving a semi trailer truck detached from the trailer. And he's like, you know what I need to do is get this sucker really clean before I show up because then people aren't going to make fun of me. Right. What I thought was really weird is the, just from the get go, like they have that the first you know minute is kind of playing that i don't know what the song is you know triumphant music and it shows him like driving like the most picturesque like highway you've ever seen and it's like oh man trucking looks pretty good and then like the very next second he's brushing his teeth out of some bucket (laughs) like you're (laughs) like well is he supposed to like enjoy trucking or is it supposed to be like the worst existence in the world like what's happening and it's also like he's made a special occasion to brush his teeth. Like, that's not something that happens very often. But he's like, hey, going to see my son. We're going to get these suckers brushed today. Because <laughs> yeah. we have to wonder at some point, is he, in fact, also homeless? Is the truck also his just his rolling home? And he was spending – he needed to get that hair perfect. Because <laughs> oh, yes. he was looking in that mirror, and he was on, like, take three or four before that hair was right. Yeah, and then he kind of messed it up and, and yeah. kind of looked at it again. But then, but then he got dressed up, he got the suspenders on, and it was time to go to generic military academy to pick up his a-hole of a son. He got the clip-on tie, too. Don't forget that. Yeah, that's. I think that was just, uh, you know, revealed a little later on, just kind of a little comedic effect. <laughs> well, when he goes to, to pick him up is the first in a, in a series of what I consider to be major plot holes in the movie— now, 1987 was a different time, but apparently a guy can show up driving a detached 18-wheeler truck with the only form of identification he has is a wedding photo from 12 years ago. And they're like, yeah, sure, take the kid, it's fine. Yeah, the, n- nobody could ever fake something like that. <laughs> Get him, Put him in that nasty truck that you just washed and, and head on out while his limousine's sitting there <laughs> waiting to take him to the airport. Yeah, that's so... Peculiar. I mean, maybe we can assume he showed actual valid identification to the uh, school personnel. He was just showing his son the picture just to show, hey, clearly I married your mom. You know, this is this is who I am. I mean, I guess there's other other ways he could have showed he was married to her that would have been more offensive. So maybe it was a good thing. (laughs) Watch this beta tape that I've saved for the last 10 years. (laughs) Look at this picture, son. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> and this was also, this this first meeting at the school was also the first in, in a, a series of notes I wrote down, which is Grandpa, the wealthy grandfather figure, who seems to be hell-bent on raising Michael as his son, is never actually around. 
No, but he apparently owns and runs everything. I don't think we ever get specifically what he does, but he's uber rich and then apparently owns his own trucking company when he tries Ironically to give, enough. Yeah, yeah. He tries to give Honk a quarter of a million dollar truck later on as a bribe to to go away. And then Dave mentioned like the opening scene. It was real inspirational, you know, viewpoints and everything. We're driving down the highway. Trucking is great. It's, you know, we're super classy here. And then I notice it's showing his truck and it shows like the mud flaps in the back. And then one, one side it says passing side and the other side says suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I was a big, I was a big fan of that. I think I actually ran that back and just watched it again. So what you're saying is Hawk had bits. Hey, Hawk has Hawk has some bits, or or Hawks, as we find yes, out. Yes, another another note I wrote down, which the two names were extremely interchangeable, and not just by people that didn't know him, but also by family members. Yes, family members, and he fully he fully embraces and just goes by either one without hesitation <clears throat> hesitation at all. Yeah, there's really a whole period of the movie, basically, once they get back to California, where he's exclusively known as Hawks after having been Hawk for the first half of the movie, and it doesn't seem to phase him a bit. Yeah, and everything in the casting and credits says Lincoln Hawk. Nothing says Hawks. The side of the truck says Hawk Holland. Exactly. Right. So one more, what I think is pretty massive uh unrealistic plot hole is they're leaving the school and of course the the boy uh pretty quickly decides that it's time for him to just jump out of the truck and literally run across the highway while lincoln hawk or hawks is chasing him nobody seems to be bothered by that on the road they slow down but nobody's worried about calling the police or maybe wondering why uh Guy driving an eighteen wheeler is chasing a kid across the highway and tackling him in the grass. Tackling him in the median and then holding him from behind very very tightly. It rips very his loving. rips the sleeve off of his jacket. But yeah, nobody uh, nobody else is uh, is seemed to be troubled by that at all. Yeah, this was the the first time I just wrote a note about the son that just said Michael sucks. <laughs> Michael sucks. Well, Michael is a prick. Let's just be honest. And his the way he talked to his to Lincoln Hawk or Hawks, so disrespectful. All right, so should yeah, we he's... should we move on to the uh, where they go to the uh, diner after? Yes, he convinces him to <laughs> oh. get back in the truck. It's not just a diner; it's a steakhouse. It is. Do do truck stops usually have full bars too? Because I feel that's really odd. It was a different time. I guess so, but I mean, everybody there allegedly should be a trucker that's driving cross country, but they have a completely full bar going there. Yeah, that seems ill-advised. I think we reserve that just just for pilots and not truckers. And has there ever been a a truck stop more crowded than that place? My goodness. (laughs) There's literally hundreds of people in that place. Everyone knows Lincoln Hawks too, or Hawk, like the waitress, like other people. I mean, aren't truckers by definition kind of transient and not, you know, you wouldn't think he was a regular unless he does like, I guess he could do short haul. But um, yeah, so (laughs) he's sitting there enjoying a, well, trying to enjoy a nice steak until his stupid kid shames him into getting a 
salad or whatever. And, and there's no way, there's no way, and I'll, I'll let you proceed, but there's no way in this place that they have tuna salad and wheat toast. And like uh, spring water or whatever he asked for. Yeah, spring water. They're going to go like dip a glass in the toilet. Here's your spring water. <laughs> there's no doubt there was a lot of pubes and whatever that kid ended up getting. Especially in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... Which brings us to the first thing that made me wonder is to go back a few episodes when we were on our baseball trip, you know, we were obviously dining at local establishments. Not once did anyone come up and challenge us to an arm wrestling match. And I feel like we may have missed an opportunity there because that happens all the time, apparently. And I'm pretty sure we never met anybody named Smasher either. Yeah, it was the Smasher. And what was Bill or Bull Hurley doing there? He was just hiding in the back room for some reason. But he, we find out that he is a trucker. He is a trucker. But is it kind of coincidental that the five-time world wrestling or world arm wrestling champion just happens to be there at the same time? Yeah, that is that is very convenient. I will say. We'll talk more about Bull Hurley, but I'm as big a Stallone fan as you can find out there, but Bull Hurley is the best thing about this movie. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, before we move on, so Smasher and Lincoln Hawk just happen to have $1,000 in cash on them? There's no way Smasher has $1,000. That's that the was most the preposterous bet. part. In a movie that's completely full of ridiculous moments... Maybe the most unbelievable thing in the whole movie is that Smasher has a thousand dollars. There's no way. Hawk knows that he doesn't need it because he's not going to lose. Good point. Good point. The other thing I found funny is so the kid is supposed to be, you know, Mr. Genius. He just gave this long lecture about calories and fat content. And then after, uh, spoiler alert, Lincoln Hawk beats Smasher for the thousand dollars. Oh, man, I was going to watch the rest of it later. Sorry. The kid, like, gets all upset. It's like, you hustled that guy. And if you watch it, like, the guy comes up, challenges him for $1,000. Like, there's no, like, you know, Stallone didn't, like, well, let's, you know, throw a match for 100 and then try to get him to bet 1,000. Like, it was the exact opposite of hustling. Yeah, I noticed that, too. But, again, I just kind of filed that under... I hate this kid. And there's <laughs> anything he can say, I'm just going to roll my eyes. And then the last thing that happens before we'll leave that scene is Hawk has his first kind of face-to-face with Bull, and we're presented with the fact that there is a big arm wrestling event looming in Vegas. I, fe- I think uh, yeah. the let's wait till Vegas was the line that was thrown out there. Why wouldn't... Bull Hurley want to wait till they I guess the idea was he wanted to beat him but he didn't think that Hawk would make it to the finals in Vegas well and Smasher had obviously just tired him out and he knew Hawk had a fresh thousand dollars on that's him, true so why wouldn't he he's but I mean, Bull the Hurley. title the title and a hundred grand's on the line in Vegas and he's just gonna throw down for just a mere double or nothing there at you know <laughs> Jody's truck truck stop and w- Steakhouse I, I was going to say one thing about the uh, 
Uh, this is the f- we're 15 minutes into the movie, so we got to get some arm wrestling in. And like he he's going against the Smasher, and the Smasher's assistant or posse or whatever is like slapping him in the face to get him ready. Oh yes. Um, that that seems utterly ridiculous. It is utterly ridiculous, but equally as utterly ridiculous ridiculous is there used to be this show. I think it came on either two or three years ago on AMC, and it was called Game of Arms. I watched that. Because they had like teams, yeah, like the New York whatever. It was like New York and Kansas City and Florida, like Florida and Louisiana, like the most wheels off places in the world, of course, have arm wrestling teams. But yeah, they would travel around against each other and each guy had like his own thing before he went out there. I don't remember anybody being slapped in the face, but they would do some weird stuff and maybe they're just playing to the camera to the show. But they would do some unusual stuff before they went up there. So getting slapped in the face a few times, maybe not that crazy for someone who actually arm wrestles for money. Well, well, didn't you guys think it was weird when they, and this is much later in the movie, in the Vegas scene, it seemed like there were several people that had brought their own dumbbells and were just doing overhead tricep one-arm extensions in between matches. That seems like the worst thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> like slapping yourself in the face, right? Like, also, yeah, let's tire out our arm as much as possible before we get in our next match. There was also some kind of product placement for solo flex or bow oh flex because Lincoln Hawk goes over there and knocks out a few reps. <laughs> yeah, it was it was solo flex. There were at least a few people with solo flex t-shirts, and then they're they're knocking out some uh, some bench press some bench bench press on the machine weights, which seems like that'd be a really good idea. But yeah, all kinds of unnecessary weightlifting <laughs> before the extremely physical competition. After the Smasher incident, then basically the the next part of the movie is is a little father son bonding on the road uh, as they make their way back across the country. And quickly on that, I felt like many times in this movie there was real quick switches. Like in that moment. The kid goes from accusing him of dealing drugs, and then they're going to sleep in the truck, and uh, good old Lincoln Hawk offers him to let him like lean on him to sleep, and he wants no part of it. And then the next morning, they wake up, and they're, and they're matching you know white t-shirts out, working out together. And, and you notice that they're only doing one-arm exercises yeah, the whole time, it's all which right is awesome. <laughs> and then like, the kid's hat. Happy as could be, he lets a uh, hawk rip off his other sleeve of his prep school jacket to go fat arm Friday for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I think that's that, Dave. That is such a good reference. I wrote fat arm Friday down on my notes several times <laughs> <laughs> on a nice like Saturday afternoon. He's had his graduation. He gets picked up by his estranged father, who he's so willing to escape that he'll run across a six lane freeway and almost die. <laughs> And then, like, 12 hours later, he's like, yeah, some 6 a.m. calisthenics? That sounds awesome. Let's do it, Dad. Let's let's grab the grill of the truck with one hand and do some very odd <laughs> pulling in and out rhythmically. Whoa, what? <laughs> you heard me. And <laughs> oh. in, in, in Lincoln Hawk also introduces him to the, uh, which I'm going to get one of these for my vehicle, the in-car weight stack. And again, Lincoln spends a great deal of time talking to him about putting your body weight into it and really show him some effort. And then this kid grabs the weight sack and just like immediately slams it down to the ground. So like, 
What? How much weight was on there? Is Lincoln Lincoln doing like a five pounds or what? It's all about stamina. Not to uh, jump too far ahead, but I think he should have negotiated that later in the movie when he was selling the truck. When the guy's making the offer, like, did you see it has like a pulley weight stack in there? <laughs> like, we need to bump this it's price. It's got to be worth like another grand at least, right? Tell you what, I bet that's not the I bet that's not the worst thing a truck driver's ever done with his right hand driving down the road. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Oh, can you imagine the women Lincoln probably had in that cab? Dude, just the nasty truck stop women that he's probably had in those 10 years in the in that probably right where his son was sitting. Yeah, his son's pictures posted everywhere and stuff. She's looking around like, oh my God, this is the weirdest situation I could possibly imagine. <laughs> well, that he's waitress. He's just determined, just fully determined. That waitress in the first place they stopped, there's no doubt Lincoln Hawk had a tiger woods type relationship with her and many others there's no doubt there's no doubt he went over the top on that a few times <laughs> so do you guys remember what the uh the, the so he, at some point i think after the smasher fight he actually picks up a uh a trailer do you guys remember what the uh side what product placement was brute. the side of the trailer yeah yes brute, brute aftershave yeah let's be as manly as possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> There was some funny product placements even back when he was arm wrestling Smasher. Like there's a guy wearing a Toyota hat that's like right in the middle of the frame the whole time. Well, they probably realized we just paid Sylvester Stallone like a billion dollars to be in this movie. We've got to sell some of the right. Yeah, and it's gonna make like five hundred grand. So we got to make up some of this gap. I feel like at that time in the '80s, like they they almost went out of their way to have generic or or fake products in movies. So maybe this movie really was. More ahead of its time than we give it credit for. When as the, if as if it wasn't groundbreaking enough already. That's true. When the That's team true. was in there trying to pitch it to get you know company money for product placement, you know, and they went to meet with Alka Seltzer, which shows up later in the movie. They just hoped and prayed, like, listen, we'll just go in and we'll tell them Stallone's in the movie. Hopefully, they won't ask about plot or anything else. Like that'll be enough for them. <laughs> just <laughs> Stallone, we're in. Yep. So we but mentioned so, uh, D- Dave brought up the they're in another restaurant and they're on their way yep. out of there that next day and then Lincoln comes up with the idea of uh, having Michael arm wrestle uh, some random kid who's playing pinball in the in the arcade and um, so he loses he's gonna do two out of three and he bets him I don't remember I can't remember what they what he bet on it. It was, Did but, somebody uh, run in and say, this is a double elimination arm, <laughs> arm wrestling match? It was what we needed. $1 to Lincoln Hawks, $10. Okay, there you go, 10 to 1. So he loses the first uh, bout, match, whatever, and the kid like is embarrassed and runs out crying and everything, which to me, I I bought all that because the kid didn't ask for this. His dad put him in this awkward situation. Yeah, well, and that's kind of a dick thing for a dad to do, I would say. I mean, this kid doesn't want to go arm wrestle this ratty kid on a pinball machine. Let let the kid enjoy his day. Hey, Why do you have to keep amping things up every time? The kid did work out for one full day before this, so he was probably <laughs> ready. Yeah, I think we got all a little... Ahead of ourselves, but you know, I guess Stallone only had about ninety-three minutes to work with, you know, to get this kid up near a 
world championship level. So he loses. And I, I, this is the one part where the kid is crying and stuff that I'm like, I'm okay with this. I actually have some compassion for him. And I think this was the best part. The only speech from Stallone that I really bought into where he's basically just giving Michael the stop being an a-hole speech. Uh, you're a rich kid who's gotten everything he's ever wanted in life, and every time you lose or whatever, you just cry and run away, and that's not going to work. So this is really the only part of the movie that could probably stand as a legitimate movie. Legitimate parenting advice. Yeah. After you got your kid into an arm wrestling match he didn't want to be in in the first place, then you really hey. give him some inspiring words of not quitting. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever life forces you into something you don't want to do, make sure you don't quit because cause the world never meets you halfway. Yeah. So do you think maybe Stallone could have had the hashtag never ever quit? He could have been the first one. He could have been the inspiration for Banny Rooster. I feel so like something, something important takes place right after this arm wrestling match ends. Well, real quick. Uh, on the arm wrestling match, didn't you feel like the uh, the random kid that was playing pinball was overly mouthy to a kid whose huge dad was there? Yes, <laughs> no kid's going to act like that if Sylvester Stallone is standing behind him. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, so they're, they're leaving the... Uh, they're leaving the arm wrestling match and the they're on the payphone to the mom and the kid gets grabbed by these guys in a white pickup truck oh yeah we, like have a, we have our first kid place. yeah we have our first actual kidnapping after yes. what appears to be a dad potentially kidnapping his son <laughs> at least to the outside you know novice viewer um we have a real kidnapping this time yeah, and, and how is Sylvester Stallone going to be able to fight off these kidnappers when he can really only throw right-hand punches? Because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been training any other way. But he does he does some pretty heroic driving in the uh, old 18-wheeler, which somehow miraculously has lost its trailer between going in and coming out of the truck stop. Is that true? Was like it they... there when they pulled up? Well, yeah, they when they pulled in there, they were towing the brute trailer. When they left, the the thing was unhooked. You know what? You're right. I feel like they I think he does that. say say something to like the attendant, like take care of it yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. They cover. They oh, cover. They probably said that at a truck stop many times too. <laughs> believe me. They can't get his name right, but in the movie, but they did cover that when they're walking they in. He talks that. to somebody and he says, "Hey, can you take care of this? Take care of it for me, or something like that." So. The kid gets grabbed by some hired goons that have been hired by the by the grandfather to bring Michael back home. Um, so Lincoln first has to fight off a third guy. They've taken off full speed in this in this truck. He gets in his semi and takes off, and he's in the only truck of that size that actually goes from zero to sixty in like three seconds. <laughs> it's an amazing truck. I don't know why he ever sold this truck. I don't know. The greatest truck ever. And the other thing I just wanted to point out from that whole chase is he's going to end this thing by ramming the other truck with his much bigger truck with his son inside the other truck that he's hitting. (laughs) And this in this day and age, there's no way he's got a seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah. You think the kidnappers took the time to say, "Hey, yeah, throw on a seatbelt while you're here." You must be a better father than I am. 
uh, Glenn, because I didn't have that note at all. My my note said this was the first of several major accidents that this truck miraculously survives with no damage <laughs> in the movie. He later drives it through a, through a house, and it still runs just fine. Just back it right on out of there. He just backs it right on out of there. Oh, my gosh. But somehow, uh, despite not ever interfacing with the grandfather, to our knowledge, in the movie yet, Hawk immediately knows that the goons were sent by the grandfather. Yeah, that weird note is later in the movie, the grandfather's talking with his team of lawyers about getting custody, and he's all about like trying to figure things out legally. So you would think maybe that thought comes into mind when how it might play out in court if he goes and sends, you know, his security to forcibly kidnap the kid at one point. Seems like a bad move, but I I've not been to law school. <laughs> well, and I've I've got a funny note on that that I'll bring up later. <laughs> yeah, the other uh observation about the kid is that He's literally, within minutes of this kidnapping, he's been beaten at arm wrestling and he storms out of a place crying and screaming. He gets kidnapped by two random adults and then is rammed in a truck by his by his father and re- he's rescued, but doesn't seem stressed out at all about that. Just kind of looks around and he's like, man, who were those guys? And that's it. Yeah. That kid's kid's got ice water running through his veins, but after you've run across six lanes of traffic, probably nothing really gets your heart right up after that. That's true. So after that, they they continue on and make it back to California to the hospital to visit the mother. And And that um, was the whole, that was the whole point. This was the mom's idea for them to be together and bond. And they were going to drive from wherever this school was to where she's in the hospital because she is scheduled for a heart procedure, which we finally they explained what was wrong with her. Yeah. Because she just seemed to have a general case of not doing well. And that was <laughs> and, it. Nothing and, else and was And progressively not doing well in worse and worse every time they would talk to her. She yeah, went from yeah. sitting up to like barely able to form a sentence by the last phone call. And clearly they were supposed to arrive prior to the surgery. It wasn't like a surprise, like the surgery got moved up. I didn't get that feeling at all. I I got the feeling they were just late. Yeah, he referenced the amount of time he thought it would take, and he said something, the surgery's on Wednesday, you know, early on. But yeah, they they dicked around too much and and arm-wrestled Smasher and tried to get in fights, and look where that got them. Yeah, they were they got there a little late. And in this case, unfortunately, mom was no longer with us by the time they arrived at the hospital. And then in typical Michael fashion, he sprints out of the hospital for the next implausible moment in the movie. Again being chased by the trucker, Hawks. He uh hails a cab <laughs> while Hawks is chasing him and the cab driver lets him get in and then just takes off. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're well, 12. Hawks is running t- towards the cab, and that's fine. That's normal behavior, apparently. Yeah, you're 12, and there's an adult running after you. Yeah, where do you want to go? Just tell me the, just tell me the address. And the cab driver just, yeah, he just takes out of there like it's no big thing. And then I think so after th- that, we're treated to the funeral scene, which 
The funeral, the funeral scene is the um, third time now that Hawk has shown up extremely late for a very important event. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a man right. that he he's he will soon be spoiler alert the world champion champion of arm wrestling, and I have to assume a well known and dependable trucker. But if you have <laughs> a graduation, a surgery, a wedding, a funeral. He's going to be there about 90% of the way through <laughs> or after you're already dead. <laughs> but that's right. They were at the grave. I don't think they would put the casket in the ground, but they had pretty much uh, completed the entire graveside service. And then here comes Hawk. Walking up with his flowers and everyone else already has theirs on the casket. The minister's almost done. Yeah. And then uh, I think they take it from there to the very reflective part of the movie where you have the dramatic shot of Hawk just sitting on the back of his truck, kind of glancing out into the sunset. Is he pulled up along the beach? Yeah, I was going to say, is he parked literally on the beach? There's no way he's getting out of there without a toe, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's why he was so reflective because he was just sitting there like, what the hell have I done? You're just waiting for somebody to pull him out of there. There's literally no way I'm getting out of here. He's, he's real. He's real reflective because he's waiting on Bull Hurley to show up and tow him out. <laughs> oh, but then he heads. He heads from the beach to uh, back to Grandpa's house. And one thing I was perplexed by. Maybe you guys can answer me. I mean, Grandpa, for all intents and purposes of this movie, is in is a at least presented to be a legitimate businessman. Wealthy, sure, but legitimate. Well, when Hawk pulls up to his house, he's got like the mafia boss level of security. He's got guards in a guard shack. He's got people standing at the gate. He's got Terry Funk. I was so Former excited ECW great. When I saw Terry Funk. But they don't ever really give an explanation why he needs that level of security. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. it seems he's like he's a, like a, he's not in politics. He's not an elected official, but he's got this just outrageous security detail. Maybe he's a big time coke dealer or something. I don't. I don't know. It's never explained, and he, until we find out towards the end that he owns a trucking company, he, conveniently. He crossed Lincoln Hawk. When you do that, you get as much security as you can find. Boy, and and, and this was not enough in this case. And Lincoln Hawk's character goes from like totally subdued and calm to absolutely insane at the the snap of a finger. Just like his truck, he goes from zero to 60 in three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he, he, he drives up or he he parks, he walks up and the, 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 the mafia that's there just in, uh, impolitely tells him, you know, he needs to get out and he's not wanted on the property. Just kind of calmly says, okay. And walks away and next thing you know, here comes a truck driving f- just full speed through the gates and through the f- some fountains, and then we climb up some stairs, and then we'll go ahead and just park this thing literally in the front door frame and just get out like, hey, here I am. And at what point is Hawk thinking like, okay, so now I'm going to walk in, and Michael's going to run down, and we're going to leave, <laughs> and this is going to gonna work. Yeah, he's just going to... Uh, you know, throw it in reverse and it, the trucks start beeping. So everybody knows he's trying to back out of there and we'll just, just calmly drive out. And Michael's going to say that yeah, that's my dad right there. Love him. He's great. Yeah. The, so uh, he's obviously, he's obviously arrested. Like he's, he's, 
probably should be going to jail for at least a while, not just like overnight for what he just did. But uh, yeah, I would think you could get some felony charges out of driving an eighteen wheeler intentionally into somebody's house. Yeah. So when he goes, the scene of him in in jail. Did anyone else have the thought that? Somewhere on the cutting room floor, there has to be some scenes of him arm wrestling other convicts in prison, right? Like, that's a golden opportunity that didn't make at least the the feature film version. (laughs) When they had to get it down to 93 minutes, they said they had to do away with the jailhouse stuff. If he would have had to actually do some time, I think we would have had that, and probably it would have been wrapped up in a, a montage where he's also doing just one arm pull ups and push ups within his cell. But since he basically just spent, you know, overnight in the drunk tank before they uh, they came to get him and offer him the, the deal to basically give up custody and leave the state in exchange for not having charges pressed against him, that, that we, didn't, uh, we didn't get that. Did anybody else notice that when he was arrested, now he drives his truck into the house and he's, the, the cops are there within minutes. That's probably not a huge surprise. I mean, 911 existed and... You know, and this uh, guy was rich, so they would actually show exactly. up. Yeah, absolutely. They, they wouldn't ignore ignore the call or anything. Um, did anybody notice that there were helicopters overhead when he was arrested? <laughs> I didn't notice that. And I didn't notice that either. But that's that's a great point. Seems a little bit a little bit over. Well, hey, a little bit over the top. I didn't even mean to. <laughs> Didn't even mean to it's do that. Hard, but it's kind of hard not to say that. I've caught myself yeah, several times. Yeah, I know. So Did you I notice just, that when, when he was in jail, the uh, grandpa sent the guy to you know, basically offer him the deal of, hey, we won't press charges if you just get the F out? The guy introduces himself as uh, grandpa's personal assistant. The, he's kind of a squirrely guy. His personal secretary. His personal secretary. But then later... When they're talking about legal documents, he says, well, I'll go draft up the document. So I'm like, well, is this guy a lawyer? Is he a secretary? Because he seems to be really overstepping the bounds of a secretary if he's now offering to draft up the documents. <laughs> by, by draft documents, he was just going to go make a lot of coffee. Is all, <laughs> all that he was going to do. And I couldn't help also but think of, uh, this will be my first night of reference of the show, but... I kept thinking about how much trouble Nas's dad had getting his taxi cab back out. How in the world was Hawk able to get his 18-wheeler that was driven through the house away from the uh, police impound lot so easily? I assume money did some talking, and he, he agreed to, to the Vegas, deal. Man, he had to get to Vegas. He didn't have time to be going through the uh, proper legal channels to get custody of his truck. So uh, I've got some. Obviously, now we get to the uh, essentially the climax or crescendo of the movie, which is the big arm wrestling competition in Vegas. And I've got a lot of, I've got some notes here, but uh, Dave, do you want to, you want to just start us off? I think my, my biggest thing was, I mean, the collection of characters they got for the arm wrestling was amazing. Um, The guy I liked most was the, uh, the black dude in the Alka-Seltzer shirt. Did anyone zero in on him? Yeah, I've got his name here. Huh? Harry Bosco. Yeah, who yeah also... the guy with the, ra- the the guy with the racist name, of <laughs> Harry Bosco. They should have just named him like John Chocolate or something like that. And I wanted to ask because in his little uh, cutaway before the uh, semifinals that they do, he says that his 
body is a, a perfect engine and the arm is the fire plug. Have anyone ever heard fire plug before? I think he meant spark plug. That's what Yes, I- you know, you mentioned that and uh, we actually got an email uh, from Gustav about about the movie and that's what he wanted to point out to us and bring up was that whole speech where he says my arm's a fire plug and he <laughs> basically just said that doesn't make any sense that it should be a spark plug i mean a fire yeah. plug would not be leading to something that's you know it's trying to control power not like release it i guess is the the most layman's way of of well, explaining that. I think a fire that. plug is another way to refer to a fire hydrant yeah. too. So good point. Good point. Yeah, I I feel like he got his his analogies all mixed up. Yeah, and again, we can't we can't fact check that. <laughs> other than other than Harry Bosco, the king of product placement, my my uh, big takeaway is that Lincoln Hawks is a terrible gambler. What are the odds on Lincoln Hawks? Kelly, what are the odds on Hawks? Lincoln Hawks. 20-to-1, pal. This is the second time we've seen him gamble in the movie. The first time, he lays somebody else 10-to-1 on a kid that's never arm-wrestled before, <laughs> and he's paying 10-to-1 juice. Well, then he walks in here, takes his case $7,000, and puts it on himself at 20-to-1. <laughs> When he should have been getting literally hundreds to one. 20 to one yeah. is, is not near long enough odds. They didn't even know his name. Yeah, and that's what I just shook my head. And that didn't register I mean, he with should me. have been part of the, what in in Vegas just terms others, is called the field. The field. Yeah, or yeah. other bet. Like, there's five, I think they said there was 200 people that started this tournament. Nobody knew who he, knows who he was. And he only got 20 to one. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he should have been probably like, 35 or 50 to 1 minimum. Agreed. But if you're doing the if you're doing the Lincoln Hawks money count, he bets 7,000 at 20 to 1, which I believe works out to a profit of 140 grand plus the 7,000 back. So Correct. true. He would cash a cash a ticket that would pay him $147,000 plus the 100 grand to win the arm wrestling championship plus the value of the 18 wheeler, which did they say what it was worth? I want to say 150. I think that's right. I think that's right. So, so all told, he's in he's in this thing for three hundred and fifty ish, four hundred something in there. Yeah, something Before, like that. And it seems, do do they? Uh, we we can't assume that they're giving away an eighteen wheeler to the winner every year, because it, it wasn't all truckers that were competing in this. I mean, if you're just a uh, a guy that does a lot of right yeah, arm curls. what's Harry Bosco going to do with an 18-wheeler? <laughs> I guess like paint it up like an Alka-Seltzer NASCAR and drive it around? I don't know. But if they give away a, a new truck and trailer every year, then uh, Bull Hurley's had a new truck for the last five years. Yeah, he's got like a whole fleet of these things. <laughs> that would have been a funny care? scene if in that first time you meet Bull Hurley, like when he gets out to leave, he's just driving an 18-wheeler, towing an 18-wheeler, towing an 18-wheeler. <laughs> There's just five of them in a row. So I wanted to... <laughs> They're all brand new. <laughs> I wanted to see if anyone picked up on this. And I think it's either right before or right after uh, Lincoln Hawk makes the, the bet on himself. You can hear the PA guy when he's going through before he starts talking about double elimination for the rest of the movie. Oh, my God. He says, and we have seven different weight classes. Did you hear that? 
Yeah, there was yeah, a lot going on. We talked about there was a women's division yeah, too. Yeah, but Lincoln Hawk gets on the scale. He weighs one ninety. He later uh, arm wrestles the guy that was also weighing in at the same time. The dude that ate the cigar. He was at two thirty five. And what do you think Bull Hurley weighs? I just felt like there was a l- lot of disconnect. Like, what are these weight classes if the one hundred ninety <laughs> pound guys? Wrestling uh, Bull Hurley, who's got to be pushing three hundred. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently the weight the weight range was like one fifty to three hundred. <laughs> the first one was zero to one fifty, and the second one was one fifty to three hundred. Yeah, it'd be funny if they had like real specific like small guy weight classes. You know, they had like one nineteen and then one twenty three, and then once you're above one fifty, it's just wide open. <laughs> just John Grizzly, whoever you want, just get him in there. So, did you guys also notice that during like any of the scenes, and this goes right down to the finals? So, well, first of all, I mean, this is like a Fat Arm Friday orgy going on there. <laughs> you ain't lying. Everywhere. But even when they're down to the last two, everybody in the crowd that's standing there, all the Fat Arm Friday guys, they're all like getting ready to arm wrestle, it looks like, at all times. Like, <laughs> even when there's only two people left, they're stretching and there's people, you know. Got, got towels wrapped around their arms and doing all these things. It was very strange. It's like they shot all those scenes and they never bothered to tell the extras like, okay, at this point, all of you guys are already out of the competition. Because <laughs> they all look like they could jump in at any time. Yeah, the German contestant uh, ruptured his bicep, apparently. He did. I did see that. Did you like how they just... Didn't the whole thing, through? The whole thing uh, seem very disorganized to start, that it was like... There was 200 guys, and they're like, "Okay, everybody, just start arm wrestling, and we'll figure it out later who's still in." <laughs> and if you're not if you're not arm wrestling, you better be stretching or doing that solo flex, or you're out of here. Oh, man. Oh. So, uh, Dave, how many you you tallied the double elimination references? Did you? Didn't you? Uh, I think that was Tommy actually. Or oh, I, you did? I, no, I never, okay. I never tallied them. I, I thought I just, about it. I just, just noticed there was a lot of them. I think I had, oh, it, just in my head, I counted seven, maybe. I had seven. Okay. I had seven markdowns, seven different times that, uh, basically, the the MC for the event just says a reminder to everyone: this is a double elimination event. Event, you have to lose twice before you're out. Because the audience can't put double and two together, <laughs> oh, and, apparently. And I'll, I'll tell and you what, I'll play the I'll play the clip right now because the one you're talking about. So I'll play it right now. Reminder once again: this is a double elimination competition. You have to lose twice to be out. In other words, if you lose once, you still have one more chance. Yeah. And then you hear at the end, he even says, after saying all that. Which means if you lose, you're not out. <laughs> oh yeah, we get we get like the Webster's dictionary, like a full paragraph on. Let's break this down. I've got a PowerPoint. Let me just pull down the screen. This is what double elimination is. So if you're if you're just cynical movie going guy, at that point, are you saying, well, why don't the producer or the director of the movie just say, like, look, we're preparing you now. Lincoln Hawks is going to lose one of these matches. We're we're going out of our way to let you know that he's going to lose one, but he's not out. And wouldn't yeah, for of, just be okay? Dramatic effect. Wouldn't it have been better if you didn't know? And then John Grizzly beats him, and you you're like, what? And then you know, then it comes out that it's you know best two out of three or whatever or double elimination. I think it could have just. I think absolutely. 
I think it would have been okay with just the initial, exp- even though it was overly explained. I was good after that time. I don't need it as we're going through all these, the montage of you know preliminary and then the quarterfinal and semifinal matches that um, I don't need to be reminded every four and a half minutes that this is a double elim- elimination event. I've, I've got it. I've pretty much got it down. It's a movie about arm wrestling. How complicated could it be? They get down, they get down to the last eight. So they, they they basically just have this frenzy of arm wrestling that takes place over about a five minute montage, and I mean there is a lot of arm wrestling that's going. Well, on. and in in the 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 backdrop of the arm wrestling competition, we've completely just jumped past this. The son has decided he wants to be with his dad. He's thirteen. So he's gone ahead and escaped from the grandpa compound, commandeered a single cab truck, and he's driving down the freeways of wherever he's at to the airport where he'll then get on a plane and then fly into Vegas without, I don't know where he's getting money. Maybe, I don't know if he has like a wedding, a wedding picture to use as his ID. How's he get on, getting on the airplane? <laughs> and makes it to the competition by himself. Well, and he, he comes out out of the baggage claims chute. So he somehow he somehow figured out how to stow away on a plane, but he knew the plane that was going to Vegas. I also want to interject a, real quick. He's a genius. When he finds the letters, wasn't it pretty clear he was in the mother's bedroom? Yeah, that had to be because they were in like a a purse that she had in that drawer. Exactly. So why didn't she ever give him like if he was snooping around the grandfather's like locked office and found him, that would be something. You know, there's a chance this whole heart condition was just made up just to hide her insanity. And <laughs> that's why Lincoln Hawk left to begin with, because she was crazy. You could be right. You could be yeah. right. But Dave makes a great point, though. You expect those letters to be in a some CD safe in the grandpa's, you know, office, not just pretty easily accessible in mom's drawer. And why didn't she ever give them to him? Like, hey, your dad wrote you or sent you a birthday card. I know he left. He's got his reasons, but he still loves you. As opposed to just, oh, let's just let a decade go by, and then uh, this guy in a truck's gonna pick you up and t- take you to a diner. <laughs> The, the the way I think it went down, Glenn, is that she was really bitter that he left, and she started hiding the letters and hiding the letters, and then right before she went to the hospital, she watched planes, trains, and automobiles, and was like, huh, well, maybe if I put him in a car with his dad, everything will be fine, and they'll become friends. That's the only thing I can think of. I have a feeling that we might all watch planes, trains, and automobiles sometime within the next 60 days. And Just do got this, a feeling. Do the same thing, and then we can maybe compare and contrast uh, these two pieces of cinematic glory. That that would be fun because I have never seen that movie. Shame oh, man, on you. You are missing out. It's good stuff. So, so okay. going back, so the kids the kids arrived at this point. Um, they're about to go to the final eight, and they get a break. And Lincoln Hawks asks, "How long do I have?" before I come back and they tell him 30 minutes and my immediate reaction is oh crap he's going to get disqualified because he's going to show up 90 minutes later and the whole thing's <laughs> going to be over <laughs> the, the competition's just cleared out like they're cleaning up all the the drink cups and just sweeping up the floors and everything by the time he gets back 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he'll have on a tie some, for some reason that we don't really understand. But during the break, Grandpa, who's now also made his way to Vegas, which, by the way, again, he figured out where the kid was headed, or at least where he thought he was headed, and he wants to come confront Hawks, but he has time to go ahead and rent out the presidential suite before he does so? Maybe he has one of those, like, the cell phones that they had in 1987 where he arranged all this ahead of time. So, But there's a yes. lot of assuming here, though. So Hawks is invited up to the presidential suite, and then, uh, so hold on, I'm going to play a little clip here of Grandpa's offer to him. Down there in the parking lot, in front of the hotel. That's the finest rig that money can buy. If you want it, it's yours. Here's a check for $500,000. Take it and get the hell out of my life. What are you trying to do? I gave you custody of the boy. I signed papers. What more do you want? I'm trying to make things easy for you, Hawk. You don't need Michael as a meal ticket anymore. You're on a free ride. So take the truck. Take the money. Start a new life. Start your own family. Got a family. This is over. I'm coming again. You're going back on your word. Yeah. You signed over custody, and Michael will never go with you because you're a loser. You've always been a loser! So as we see, Grandpa has now offered him a brand new quarter million dollar truck that he's also somehow already got parked in the parking lot and we, and not a lot of time has elapsed here, but Grandpa seems to really be buttoned up. And $500,000 for him to just jump in the truck and walk away right there. Now, keep in mind that Lincoln Hawk has already signed papers, which whether that would hold up in the end in court, I don't know, because a, a, a personal secretary <laughs> drafted them, probably in crayon. But... Um, He's already signed papers basically saying he was going to leave the state, not come back, you know, give up the kid or whatever. I mean, he has to be thinking, what are you doing? I've already signed all this. Why am I agreeing? Why am I double agreeing to these terms? Or he should have just said, sure, I'll take the money in the truck. I'm not, he's not losing anything. He's already given up his son. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here in my house right now. I'm talking to my two good friends doing a podcast. My beautiful children are sleeping. If somebody knocks on my door right now and offers me an 18-wheeler and 500 grand, I'm not even looking back. I'm I'm getting in the truck and I'm driving off. And you'll see them at their military school graduation. How uh how awesome would What it, is Hawk's thinking? How awesome would it be if Hawk takes the 500k, walks back downstairs, puts it back on himself? And the sports that's, book. <laughs> that's what should have happened here. And you know what? Two, the, two things. The, as the grandfather <laughs> pointed out, he already lost one match. So the odds yeah. may be even better now. Yeah, he could have been yeah, a, get a 25 super to one. <laughs> yeah, 25 to 1. But I thought that too. Like he should have said, uh, yeah, I'll take the money and then go and just put that on himself and then somehow turn it into enough money to just – to just buy out the grandpa and become the rich guy, and the grandpa, you know, ends up in the gutter or something like that. I'm I'm pretty sure, and I don't I don't know. I mean, this takes place at the Las Vegas Hilton, which is a notorious for pretty much taking any sports bet action. I'm pretty sure if Hawks sweating from the contest with eight left shows up and wants to bet a half a million on himself, they're probably not taking that action. 
Yeah. Because he could he could literally give every single person left in the contest five hundred thousand dollars and still <laughs> still come out with millions for himself. So when he he's already lost once and then he comes back and he's rest, he's arm wrestling with uh, John Grizzly again, right? Yeah, but Grizzly makes a big mistake before this match. He what? He drinks an entire quart of oil. Yeah, he drinks a quart of Valvoline <laughs> before the match. Like I wrote down that it just uh, that scene or that part. I just wrote down that John Grizzly should literally be a dead person <laughs> right now. <laughs> like this makes no scientific sense whatsoever. Later, uh, a little bit later in the in, in that same scene, he uh, gets another good product placement in for Alka Seltzer as he takes them to kind of help. Uh, <laughs> smooth things out what after I'm, the uh after drinking the quart of alcohol. what i'm surprised is that he didn't drop the two alka-seltzers in and pick them up and then just kind of do a toast with harry bosco and they both like <laughs> down their alka-seltzer at the same time maybe the final match is a little more but that this match he has with with uh john here the second match with john is epic epic match a lot of back and forth yeah Really good arm wrestling action. And then we get to the big show. And at some point, Double Elimination has gone out the window, but they haven't told us. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, it's kind of unstable, but I was trying to think of something in real life that, that works or used to work the same way. And I didn't look it up. I meant to. I think the College Baseball World Series used to work like this where it's a double elimination tournament, but there's always going to be a team that makes it to the final undefeated. But when it's the final, it's just the final. It's just a one game for everything. Now in that they, the final is always a two out of three, no matter what. But I think that's how that used to be. But I just feel I would like not, in a movie that went so out of their way to let us know it was double elimination, they yeah. could have at least had a guy come in and say, okay, and now that we're down to two, it's single elimination, which means pull, if you lose pull. once, you're out. What that means is, <laughs> if you lose here, you are no longer in the arm wrestling championship. Yeah, they just completely or conveniently skip over, skip over all of that. So speaking of skipping over, do we feel like Harry Bosco's elimination was a little bit racist? Hawks Hawks wasn't slams him before he was ready. He tries to file a complaint, and the white officials all just grab him and take him off the stage. <laughs> Everybody just kind of turns around and just walks away, like. Like he's just not there. He gets no chance for recourse there. He should have yeah, probably was... known entering a contest where the first prize was a truck that he probably wasn't going to be treated fairly. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I felt I felt bad for Harry. He needed another uh another chance there. And was that the uh was that the match where he no, I don't think that was the one where the, where they where the hand slipped. And they get the strap. And the, yeah. That's in the final. Yeah. That's the that's the match against Bull. That was which okay, we can that break that down. Final. But okay, yeah, I mean they 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 get they get started after some jawing, and there's this very controversial hand slip, which Dave, do you think Lincoln initiated that slip or did Bull? I I would. It kills me to say this, but I feel like Lincoln did. I feel like Lincoln was about to get beat, and he slipped out of there. Is what I think. Well, I think that is a an actual technique, and it I think it just boils down to the referee's judgment. Because if you just slip 
out of it on purpose, then you you're disqualified. But if it's just a natural whatever, you know, two hands pushing against each other at ultimate force, and it just one side or the other slips out, so to speak, um, they just they get the like we all do. We just get the strap and just just keep on keep on from there. But uh, so let's let's uh, go back to Bull Hurley and just break him down a little bit again. I want to just just restate. He's the he's only in this movie, you know, in the the diner scene, and then in the montage of the competition, and then in some of the kind of documentary style where they go to each of the finalists and they're talking about themselves and stuff like that. Like he's only in the movie for maybe ten minutes max. Yeah. But he makes the best of that. I mean, just the idea of you're in he's this a arm wrestling human being too. Yeah. Just oh, he's huge. And in real life, the, I think the actor died of a heart condition, uh, several years ago. But anyway, oh, wow. um, stay hard, uh, bull Hurley. Stay yeah, hard. That bull Hurley. Much yeah. better Bring than 20 to one. <laughs> <laughs> they were less than 20 to one for sure. So, but yeah, just the idea of he's in this wrestling, uh, arm wrestling match with this huge guy and it's, you know, physically intense, but he has, the ability to not only win but just yell at the guy. Well, one guy he just he just yells out, "You ain't shit!" like that, and just slams his arm down on the table. And he's just I, repeatedly yelling at Lincoln that I own you through their entire final ba- uh, match. I feel like Bull had some odd cussing in that in this movie too. I don't know if you guys remember the scene, one of the cutaway scenes where when he uses very, very odd, like PG thirteen cussing when an f bomb would have obviously been war- warranted. No, you're gonna have to. I, I didn't I'll catch play that. The clip I was for you right here. Okay. Doesn't even belong on my arm resting table. That's my area. That's my game. He's got no shit in business there. But yeah, anyways, odd use of the odd use of the uh, S bomb there when an F bomb would have been much more appropriate. You, you can't you can't oh, okay. do that in PG thirteen probably back then. Yeah, probably not. But it does kind of hurt his credibility as this just incredible villain when he can't even cuss right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bull Hurley's credibility was through the roof for me because even watching it now as an adult, he was a he was a scary figure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's no way, quote-unquote, in real life that a guy hawk size could ever win an arm wrestling match against a guy bull size, right? I mean, that's not possible. Only if you use the -the over-the-top technique, (laughs) clearly. Well, the only time they would ever actually be in competition with each other is in a tournament where the weight classes make no sense. (laughs) Uh, that's so a do very we ever verify if the World Arm Wrestling Championships in Vegas is a real thing, or was this totally contrived for the movie? Do we know? I don't know for sure. I, they have to have competitions like this. I don't know if they're that big or if they take place in Vegas, but I want to say on like you know ESPN Nine or something like that. Occasionally, you'll find like thirty minutes where it's an arm wrestling championship of some kind. So. Probably even worse than the arm wrestling championship. Uh, it's probably three or four years ago. I was in Vegas uh, 
staying at the uh, Riviera because I didn't have any money apparently because why else would you stay there? Um, but they were having the Riviera is no more. It's I know, been blown up. Stay hard, Riviera. But they had the World Dart Championships going on, like down in one of the conference rooms, and you you could walk in there. There wasn't anybody keeping you out, and there's you know dart boards around and people in you know bowling type shirts that all matched. But they <laughs> probably more than the double elimination announcement at. And over the top, they announce literally every seven minutes, um, please do not miss your match because you're smoking. <laughs> because the guys would go outside <laughs> to smoke, and like they'd be standing around waiting for the next match, and no one was there. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and if anybody was trying to drink Valvoline and smoke, that would be a real bad combination. Be the worst. Hey, just, uh, just a, a random note here. As I'm uh, just searching and scrolling on my phone, I don't know where you get these, but I'm locating uh, Bull World Arm Wrestling Championship Bull Hurley versus Lincoln Hawk T-shirts that can be had oh my on gosh. on the World Wide Web, and it even it's uh, it even has the date from 1987. 7 p.m. at the Las Vegas Hilton, and it says 100000 in custom semi-truck prize. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have that shirt in your possession by the end of the week, you're a flawed guy. Uh, would we uh, cease recording here? I'll be uh, following what the source is to get this, and if it's a reasonable price, uh, it'll be at my house within the next 10 to 14 days. Well, as we're we're kind of coming to the end of the show, I want I've got a couple of just quick hits that I we we didn't get it we didn't touch on, but I I feel like are worth pointing out. Did you guys notice that Bull Hurley has odd shirt change and then back to the original shirt during the competition? Uh, was it the the blaster shirt? He starts out in the blaster shirt, and then at some point in the mid range of the competition, he's in kind of this pink shirt, and then when he comes back to to wrestle Hawk for the championship, he's back in the blaster shirt again. I wouldn't be surprised by anything in this movie. If in the middle, if he had been bald and then in the middle of the competition, he had like a Ted Koppel <laughs> toupee on. <laughs> he was, and then he's bald again uh, with glasses or something. He was probably just changing them, you know, so he can have multiple game-worn shirts for the Hall of Fame because this was going to be the sixth straight year he won the championship. That's right. Yeah, he's gonna right. be the. He's gonna be what the. Did Jimmy Johnson win six championships in a row? Is that just five? I think he's just five time. Mm. Well, that that analogy hey. doesn't didn't work very well. It was it was a good effort to shoehorn in a NASCAR reference. Trying then the to. the last two things that I had was one. Uh, why is nobody ever at the hospital? Why is Grandpa never at the hospital visiting the mom? I mean, there's been like <laughs> several times when it would have made a lot of sense for him to be there, including right after she died, and he's never around. He's out making money. Apparently so. Well, you know, and then the, the other uh, th- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing. It's probably it's not your regular hospital. It's an insane asylum. She took her own life. That's what really happened. Whoa. Look it up. I'm going to distance from that. And then the last thing I had is I, I did actually write down the name of the final competitors, the names of the final competitors. 
just to see if you guys remembered any of these guys. Do you remember Mad Dog Madison? Yeah, that was the that was the guy in the white tank yeah. top who howled at the moon right before the <laughs> competition started. That's right. And then there was the aforementioned Harry Bosco, John Grizzly. There was a guy. The, this is probably the least uh, noted, least noted guy that got the least notoriety was Kyle Adams, the Canadian world champion. Mm. Then of course, well, they Lincoln. were just they they were the the movie was basically just dissing all the Canadians that were in the final. <laughs> Whoa, as it were. What a movie! So I guess we we need to for, for those that haven't seen it, uh, Lincoln Hawk wins. He he beats Bull Hurley. He uses the yep. the over the top technique, which uh, this is difficult for an audio medium. But in the middle of the bout, he basically just repositions his fingers, which I guess just gives like a a grip that cannot be overcome by the opponent. I didn't know if you guys noticed this. You had to have noticed it in the final. So they really wanted to emphasize as as Hawk is he's almost beat in this like he's his arm his hand is down almost all the way to the mat and he does the over the top technique which they slow they show it in slow motion but it seemed like that Stallone was also doing it in slow motion so it was like slow motion in slow motion just for added (laughs) emphasis super slow motion and it had to be hard to do when you were strapped in too it's gotta be yeah and technically speaking when um so that they, he slips out and they they put the strap on him and then Bull Hurley like punches Lincoln Hawk in the face, and bloodies his nose before they start again. That's bad. And it's a real, great line of "Does your nose hurt, Hawks?" Yeah, um, real competition. He would have just been disqualified on the spot. It would have been the yes. most non-dramatic well, ending doing? ever. They screw Harry Bosco and then they let Bull get away with that trash. Dude, you think Bull is the franchise. He's the cornerstone of the arm wrestling community. They're not going to kick him out. If Harry Bosco would have done that, he would have never seen light of day again, the way this movie was headed. (laughs) That's true. We also didn't discuss poor Terry Funk getting thrown through the glass doors. (laughs) Yeah, we can we can jump back and forth, but yeah, he's got to take there, a, there he's got to take a bump somewhere in the movie. Of course, there would have been no personal secretary showing up to save <laughs> Harry Bos- Bosco, <laughs> like uh, c- came to cut a deal with Lincoln Hawk. So, so I guess my um, final note about the movie was just simply, I love this movie. This movie's great. Yeah. Four four thumbs up for me. It's almost perfect. It's almost the perfect movie. Yeah, despite minor faults and edits and all that, it's uh, still top tier of great movies of all time. No, and then they they take off at the end of the movie, father and son and the 18-wheeler. Lincoln's decided, you know, his son doesn't need to go to school anymore. They're just going to hit the road as a father and son team and start their own company. Very vague. I wonder if the mom had life insurance. I mean, there's so much oh, money no in that family. There's no question she did. There's no question she did. And you know what? Hawks will probably take that life insurance money and try to bet on Mr. T and Rocky Three. <laughs> uh, you're you're way screwed up on your dates. He'd have to he'd have to bet on Tommy the Machine Gun in Rocky Five. But 
Is that true? You know, was, whatever. Were all the, the first four Rockies released prior to Over the Top? Yeah. Yeah, they were they were through four already. I think Rocky Four was either in eighty five or eighty six. This was released in eighty seven. So hey, do you want a after, quick after Drago killed Apollo then? Yeah, do you want a quick uh Stallone fun fact? Sure. As long as it'll only take two seconds. Did you know that he was the original choice uh, to be the main character in Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, wow. No, I didn't. Really? So, obviously, obviously, um, and I know this because I'm a bit of a aficionado of uh, Sylvester Stallone movies and stuff, but uh, he... Obviously, the the plot line would have been slightly different, I think, if Stallone was playing the lead role in Beverly Hills Cop as opposed to Eddie Murphy. But he turned down the role because he was going to make the movie Rhinestone with Dolly Parton because he because he thought that that movie might lead to him having some kind of singing career. Well, I mean, I think that's almost a show ender. I don't even know what else to say <laughs> after that. That's just a fun fact. I thought we would... uh. Just kind of end with that. So, Dave, uh, we missed this at the beginning, but um, how was your pig semen trip? Man, I tell you what, I'm gonna. I was listening to that episode, and I'm gonna find the uh, John Benet Ramsey's brother's lawyer that's suing CBS and sue you guys. I leave for one or a few shows, and all of a sudden I'm sharing time between Trump rallies and pig semen auctions and neither of which are true but so you weren't wearing your made america great again cap when you were extracting the pig semen no no i was not <laughs> so did they let you extract it fresh or do you buy it when it's already extracted there was, how much there was none of that being done sold how, auctioned any such way how much uh how much pineapple juice did they have the pigs drink before <laughs> the extraction took place? Oh man. No, it was actually it was it was a pig auction, but it was live live baby pigs. Not and you, not what made the baby pigs. <laughs> oh man. Just picturing you at a, a pig semen auction is <laughs> What, just one of my favorite things to think about. Like almost like you're just standing at this assembly line, just counting the number of uh, samples going by, just make sure it's right. <laughs> I'll tell you this, man. You know, you uh, you marry into into families and opens up a whole new world of things that you didn't know existed before. All right. Well, uh, anything else about before we close the book on this? classic 80s arm wrestling child custody movie no i think our first movie review episode is a success and i'd like to do it again sometime soon agree all right i think we have to figure uh, out something for october yeah i think next next uh friday we're gonna be doing a little music talk uh as i get ready to head off to the austin city limits festival and maybe uh in the following weeks after that we can knock out another movie so ACL is this weekend? Uh, it's actually it's two weekends. I'm going next weekend, so I'll be previewing oh, okay. it for next show. The weekend Pre- one actually starts tomorrow. Yeah, I've never been, and I couldn't. I'm just too many people. I think it would just be a miserable experience for me. But you, you be you, and hopefully you have fun. 
seeing uh, whoever's there, Band of Skulls oh. and Jamiroquai. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into more detail on the next show for sure. All right, Dave. It was good to have you back, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back again after your next uh, productive matter auction or <laughs> whatever you're up to. Hey, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I'll be sure to keep you uh, updated if uh, I go to any more of those.